and welcome to episode 22 in our weekly podcast, That's One for the History Books. I'm Marty Cohn. My good friend and co-host, Hugh Ryan, and I are profiling Americans who made important contributions to our country, but who have not received the popular credit that we think they deserve. Today, we are discussing Dr. Francis Kelsey, a hero of the 1960s who prevented a major public health catastrophe in the United States and buck strong headwinds to do so. Catastrophe indeed, Marty. Dr. Kelsey prevented distribution within America of a drug that when administered to pregnant women often caused miscarriages or devastating birth defects in their babies. Defects for which there was no treatment, let alone cure, and defects that handicapped them for life. Let me add that the drug had been distributed throughout Western Europe, Australia, and parts of South America for years. You're talking about thalidomide. Although I'm too young to remember it, I've seen the terrible photos of the infants referred to as thalidomide babies, shortened and malformed arms and legs, fingers and toes, missing limbs, babies with smiling, adorable faces and hands growing out directly from their shoulders. I know the side effects also included facial palsy, brain damage and damage to other internal organs and the skeleton. So how did Dr. Kelsey stop the use of this drug? And, and why did she have to buck headwinds to do so? Well, she started by earning a PhD in pharmacology and an MD from the University of Chicago. Then as immigrant from Canada, worked for the American Medical Association, taught pharmacology at the University of South Dakota, and then practiced medicine in the Midwest for about three years. In 1960, she moved to Washington, D.C., where she was appointed chief of the Division of New Drugs at the Federal Drug Administration, the FDA. Her first assignment was to review an application from William S. Merrill Company, a pharmaceutical enterprise in Cincinnati, to market thalidomide in the United States under the brand named Kevadon. But, but even in 1960, they, they must have had required to submit test results documenting safety. Yes, the company submitted years of test results from Europe, according to document that there was no harmful effect on humans and animals, and they urged quick approval. But Dr. Kelsey had read reports percolating up in Europe, especially Germany, of birth defects, and she mandated further testing. The Merrill Company refiled a couple of times, but never did prove to Dr. Kelsey's and the FDA's satisfaction that the drug was safe. As a result, she withheld authorization, and it was officially banned the next year, 1961. So the headwinds came from the pharmaceutical industry in the United States and Germany, where the manufacturer Grunenthal Chemical was located. And there was the added pressure that thalidomide was being sold as a prescription and over-the-counter drug throughout Western Europe, whose regulatory agencies and protocols were certainly not considered to be primitive, far from it its wide acceptance in Europe must have generated trust on the part of the U.S. medical establishment. Yes, it did. And you summarized what I call the headwinds exactly. But, but I've seen photographs of the side effects of thalidomide on American babies right up through present-day senior citizens. How did that come about if the drug was first unauthorized, then banned here? Well, it happened in a couple of ways. One, it was revealed after the fact 
that the Merrill Company had been sampling the drug to doctors during and before FDA's review process. A group of thalidomide victims and their families asserts that Merrill distributed more than 2.5 million completely unauthorized doses to more than 1,200 doctors. The doctors apparently accepted the medicine assuming that the FDA's approval was imminent. In addition to that, I read that some Americans obtained thalidomide from European sources. I'm not sure exactly how. So how many American families were ravaged by this drug? Well, the short answer is that we do not know the precise number. When the FDA wrote its final report after banning thalidomide, it documented just 17 victims of the drug in this country. And that figure was accepted for decades. But we now know that the actual number is far higher. A U.S. Thalidomide Survivors Society publishes on its website a photo of more than two dozen victims who are still living. The website says they support a community of more than 100 people, the majority of whom, in their words, were born between December 1956 and December 1967, with birth defects likely caused by in utero thalidomide exposure. Most people who suffered the side effects of this drug were born in the 1950s, and so an unknowable number of them lived and died, and many without even knowing that their deformities were the result of thalidomide. But whatever the number, we can be confident that, absent Dr. Francis Kelsey, it would, have, it would be orders of magnitude higher. Oh, certainly. The United Kingdom, with a population of about one quarter of ours in 1960, suffered 2,000 cases. So that would equate to 8,000 here. Germany, the epicenter of the hazard, had an uncounted number of miscarriages and at least 10,000 cases of birth defects with well less than half the US population. So Germany's total would equate to about 25,000 cases here. And I've seen global estimates of thalidomide affected births as high as 100,000. So that's what Dr. Kelsey saved us from. With those numbers of casualties, how could it have been underestimated for so long? Well, several factors confused the picture and distorted perceptions and understanding. For one thing, several typical thalidomide birth defects are also caused by other genetic conditions and diseases and had been for years. So thalidomide's effects, when they first began to manifest themselves, they were wrongly attributed to other causes in many cases. Also, we now know that thalidomide must be taken between the fourth and eighth weeks of pregnancy to have malign effects. So all women who took it outside that window and therefore exhibited no side effects, well, that led their doctors to reasonably conclude that thalidomide was benign. Then there were the different regulatory agencies and protocols and reporting requirements from country to country. You add up all these factors and you get a confusing picture. Confusing and tragic. On the bright side, I've read of, more, of a more recent and highly positive development with the thalidomide. Officially banned in 1961, it was discovered in 1980 to be a powerful anti-angiogenic drug. This means that it inhibits growth of blood vessels and tumors. Nowadays, it is widely used to treat multiple myeloma, which causes cancerous plasma cells to build up in the bone marrow. For obvious reasons, it is never prescribed to women who are or may become pregnant. 
but it is a tremendously valuable drug to treat various forms of cancer and other diseases. So back to Dr. Kelsey for a minute. AFK was among her many admirers. He recognized her contribution to America with the President's Award for Distinguished Federal Service in 1962. She was just the second woman so honored. That's a good place to wrap up this episode of That's One for the History Books. Thanks for listening today. The music, Hat the Jazz by Twin Musicom, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to and rate our podcast and leave a review. And be sure to listen next week when we'll discuss Lida Conley, the first Native American female lawyer in the United States. I'm Marty Cohn with my co-host, Hugh Ryan. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.